Hello. We are here to talk about the suitcase. And Dan and I ended up having so much to say about it that we decided to make it a two-parter. So uh, we don't have, I mean, we literally, we recorded it as a one-parter. So at some point we're going to trail off and there'll be some music or something. And then next week we will bring you part two. So here is part one of our discussion of the suitcase. Let's get to it. to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it. Hello? You remembered my birthday. Welcome to They Coined It. I'm Roberta Lip. I killed 17 men on Okinawa. (laughs) (laughs) This is Dan Jasper. (laughs) And we cover Mad Men episode by episode. Oh my goodness. (laughs) This is it. Suitcase. This is... uh, uh, people's top 10 favorite television episodes of all time. So no pressure, Dan. Yeah, well, no, we... <laughs> if it doesn't go well, you can kill we, one more. Um, <laughs> I am not <laughs> going back to Okinawa. No, we get messages on social. We get messages on the email. And far and away, this episode, yeah. the suitcase, do this, try that. Could we, what, t- what do you, you know, make sure you talk about the just... All the time. Can I can I come on the show and do it with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> everybody wants to talk the about suitcase, this episode. So great. We're off, we're off yeah. to uh this will be a fun one. So the best way to support us is patreon.com slash they coined it pod. We do some extra stuff there. You get early episodes, and it is our little hub, other than on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook. It's where the community is. It's where the people are. All right. This episode. Before we start breaking it down, there's so much to globally cover. Like there's just big thoughts, like what we just said, that it's popularity, it's devotion. So one thing, this was a filler episode. There was a gap in the schedule. There was like, oh, we don't have one planned for here. So, and if you look at it, it makes sense. There's no plot. It, 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 we, we talk a lot on this podcast about plot versus theme and sort of larger things that happen in a show versus the plot elements and... Um, things happen at different paces. Here, this is all it it I guess you could say it's theme, but in a way it's it's culmination of so many different things. But the plot doesn't really move. We're talking about Samsonite. It's one client that needs creative work done. That's not much of a that's not much of a plot heavy construction. Peggy Peggy and Mark break up. That's the only But plot it serves point. to feed the larger Samsonite issue, right? I mean it, it ends up playing a, a bigger role there than I think it does just on its own. This episode is all character. This is all relationship. Um, and it's all theme. It's heavy with themes. Well, of course, and if Anna dies, of course, that's the other yeah. plot point. Yeah. But other than that, it's just one more one more campaign effort. Like there's nothing that- Well, you know, it's almost like if you were going to teach a, a, a screen, well, that's, I don't forget, what do they call TVs? Teleplays? A writing course for television where it's all about execution and it's all about uh, the performance this would be at the top of the list, right? We're just talking about how do you explore a relationship in this way? And and that's – it's almost like an assignment. And uh, Matt, Matt Weiner got an A+. <laughs> the Suitcase is written by Matthew Weiner, directed by Jennifer Getzinger, originally aired on September 5th, 2010, and takes place May 25th and 26th, 1965. 
Uh, Peggy is a few weeks younger than my mother. Oh, wow. Yeah. I. <laughs> so I've been watching this. I've watched this episode twice this week. I have not, listen, guys, I, I have not watched any Mad Men in about five years until we started doing this podcast. So I don't sit down and revisit episodes. So this was, yeah. you know, so I watched it twice. The first night I cried. And then the second night I hit pause a lot and took notes. Like I just watched for the experience the first time. It's been in my dreams. <laughs> it's been, and, I, and anyway, I'm up in the middle of the night going, wait, what's the math on that? How old is Peggy? That was me with a Samsonite, you know, appearing and then going away. Um, so anyway, this is <laughs> yeah. the episode where Samsonite needs creative work. That's the that's really the the main thing. Don and Peggy end up working and talking through the night to get it done. Peggy and Mark break up, and as you said, Anna dies. She goes off to the great the great already paid for house by someone else in the sky. That's where Anna goes. Wow, that was, that was <laughs> Jesus. And you might say a long way to go for not such a great for joke. For somebody who, who adores Anna as much as you do, not that hey, I don't, but wow. Hey, listen. Wow, buddy. Um, Call it what it is. One thing about how Dan and I are going to do this is we don't normally go in order necessarily because there are so many plots and we end up getting, you know, going down theme paths. But this is like a play. This goes in order. We stay in essentially one location, anywhere else we are is a phone call. You know, if it was done as a play, those are phone calls mm. with Mark and and the family and Roger, right? It's all and and Duck. Everything is inside the space and and from the point of view of these two characters, not one or the other, but both. And there's also something this made me wish as I was pondering it. I'm telling you, I don't normally ponder to the degree I've pondered this week. But there, it made me wish I was. More literarily literate <laughs> because it felt very um, Shakespearean. It, it felt like there were allusions to things that I didn't, I don't have the the vocabulary for, that I don't have the familiarity with. But just the setup of, you know, the opening scene is, is all the men and it's like a pack, it's like a, it's like a pack of wolves. <laughs> it's like a pack of hyenas, all these men, 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 and the tickets and the, a and pack the racial. Of Semitic wolves, yes. <laughs> anti-Semitic rather jabs exactly and and it was like pfft, like every time those guys appear including at the end when they wake Peggy up it's 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 sports or military references it's very aggressive <laughs> testosterone and then but then from there it dwindles and it dwindles and it dwindles down to these two in the in the night and you know all my only reference is like a midsummer night's dream which this is mm. not but it's like it it it, it go it takes this very distinct sort of um it, the shape keeps changing and changing until it becomes more uh, concentrated right uh i don't have a particular shakespearean reference to 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 point to but i will say that i think what is shakespearean about this episode is um the sense of irony of what happens with the characters you know you have the big the big boss don uh gets laid low reduced to tears uh both main characters reduced to tears um you have that sense of up on you know top of the hill one moment and and lowest point possible the next uh so the the range of uh, what happens to these characters their responses the human emotions and reactions that i find very shakespearean i don't know which 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 uh king king henry the whatever <laughs> which play we would be right. referring to necessarily or that it may have been drawn from but i agree there is that quality to it yeah and i really did feel it when uh, because how many shakespeare plays have these 
those Greek choruses, those that's the that group of guys. That was kind of my first clue, especially I think on the second on the second rewatch, I was like, oh, there is some of that. And also I think the yeah. metaphor of the fight, you know, this very famous fight that takes place on May 25th, 65, Ali Liston, uh, Ali Liston two, generally referred to as Clay Liston two. Uh, also very Shakespearean, right? The play within the play, the the whole the whole rest of it. Right. So there's there's some cool stuff to to dig into, which is hey, that's why we're here. That's why we put the mics on. Talk about the suitcase. Hmm. So you've got that opening scene. We've got the setup. Everybody's going out. You know, everybody's going to dinner, and then the fight. You've got the the anti-Semitic, <laughs> the anti-Semitism, and then the complicit anti-Semitism when Danny says it back. That's right. right? Well, you're you know you're the Jew. Trying to sell that Ca- for thirty dollars. Casual, 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 <laughs> horrendous language from everybody. Only made more horrendous by Mrs. Blankenship saying that incredibly racist thing that we're not That's repeating. Right. <laughs> like we're not even right. touching. And you know, to the extent she's has has an excuse having been born, you know, in the nineteen hundreds, uh, you know, before before uh, before any type of media, that was um, really jarring to hear. Just amazing. Just amazing, but but I think it's but I do think it's more shocking from the younger, younger uh, characters. But who knows? I don't know. You've got people born in the 1900s who are not racist. Also, even at that oh, time, that's right. Some of them squeak through. <laughs> that's right. So exactly. I, you know, I mean, I, I there's you know, this is one of the one of the ongoing discussions of this podcast, right? What is of its time and what is too fucking bad? You are still a racist. Sure. And I put that one right there. So then you've got the the first Samsonite presentation with Peggy and the guys to Don, which opens with Peggy, I mean, really an effectively passive aggressive because it it really didn't even come across like a shot. But, I, you know, wasn't the meeting at 930? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know, it really, it really doesn't come off like a dagger, even though it's well, a dagger. Well, it's still that flat, that, that flattening of the hierarchy, right? Calling people out. They, they wouldn't have, how many times was Don late at the old office and everyone had to bite their tongue? Right, all the yeah. deference, exactly. So now they act out this commercial. I have to say- Am I the only one that liked this ad the second time around? I didn't like it when I first saw it. I remember thinking, and I was like, oh, it's not so bad. <laughs> um, I thought Joey did a really cute- he was good. Uh, Joe Namath yeah. impression. <laughs> I didn't, I, you might be the only- Maybe. Let's, Coiners? Yeah. Is Dan the only one? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't love it, but I, you know, I-, I Great, great historical research here, I have to say. Joe Namath was, in 1965, was coming into the league. He he came out of Alabama, All-American, huge star, and was one of these college athletes that gets a ton of press before ever playing a game. He was one of the first, in fact. So the backlash was pretty huge in New York. He posed for a Sports Illustrated cover. He was he's called Broadway Joe. They put him in Times Square on Broadway with all the lights in the background before he played his first game as a Jet, okay? And with the Broadway Joe. And it's sort of like, who is this kid, right? And he's from Pennsylvania and no one knows him, but now he's this huge heralded star. And so there was a lot of backlash in New York for people didn't like him. Before he played his first game, he had a lot of of haters back in the day. So yeah, it it would make sense that the younger uh, part of the office would think to use him and Don, a bit old school, would, would have the negative comment. Yeah, I didn't know any of that. I mean, I'm old enough that I certainly knew who Joe Namath was as the as celebrity, the star, yeah. but as somebody who didn't care about sports. Um, but I also, I was just born now, last month. 
uh, I did catch that when they said it. Uh, you know, he's what? You know, he's not even signed yet. He's not even yeah. playing pro like, yet. Who doesn't no, like not, he's, not he's great. He's a star, he's, right? Right. So uh, I don't know. I didn't. I don't. I didn't love the ad. It was a little confusing to me. I uh, I didn't love it. You got to cut through to me on on a sports thing. You've got to be a little more simple, like any great, like a great sports movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like I'm gonna like a great sports movie because it's a better movie than it is a sport. You know what I mean? That's not what I it's mean. It's got to be a good commercial. Point for us is, and maybe this wasn't such a great commercial. But Joey sold me on that on that <laughs> Joe Namath doing the tagline, <laughs> tag right? So now here's where here is what felt like a flaw in this episode, and I don't know if that's fair. So talk me out of it. Starting. Now, I found Don's harshness with Peggy, professionally speaking, every single comment he gives her from starting now and throughout felt cartoonishly mean and insensitive. No, I agree. And maybe that's the dream quality of the episode, if you will. Like maybe that's the, like it just, you know, so part of it is we're learning and we, we learn it throughout. Again, exposition through conflict. This whole episode is conflict. That Don's been this harsh with Peggy for a while and Peggy keeps taking it, right? Because we saw, we see in Mark's reaction that this is not new, that, that she's, you know, she's going back in and I'm back in his web and stuff like that. But it did seem, again, I'm I, I, cartoonishly. I think it was cartoonish, weird, but I, I, I think it was also, um, from a dramatic standpoint, meant to be another turn of the screw toward the explosion, toward that fight, toward what's eating, what the tension between them. Right. As 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 boss and employee, as creative partners, it was meant to be a continuation of what we've seen, but also meant to be the breaking point. So it was cartoonish. And maybe that writing wasn't as elegant as sometimes they can be on the show and more obvious in that regard. I don't think they made any mistakes in this script. This is this was not a throwaway. This obviously, you know, once you it started as a filler idea, but once you got there, you know, you've Mm -hmm. got. A masterpiece. So I think the cartoonishness was deliberate. And again, you know, obviously to push to this point, but it just, it was, it was. It was a little telegraphy. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like where was the mentoring? Where was the anything? Where was the humanity in Don Draper? And he does have some ever. He does. He, he, it's like he didn't break. He wouldn't break. And, you know, Peggy's um, resentment about the Chloe and all Mm. of that. Chloe. Cleo. Cleo. (laughs) Just invented a new advertising award, the Chloe. <laughs> oh my it's god! I all am all work uh, that was done while inebriated. You get the Chloe. Just like <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, Peggy's resentment aside, this incessant abuse is incessant abuse, right? No, like, it, 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 just it seems, is, and it's it's yeah. um, like I said, it's a bit telegraphy and um, not sloppy. Like you said, there's not a there's not a a, a false note in the in the in the writing, but um. Maybe a little heavy, a little heavy handed. I mean, in this scene, he shoots it down three different ways right away. Endorsements are lazy, which is, that's one attitude you can have. But also every once in a while, do an endorse, you know, like a celebrity endorsement is a great thing mm-hmm. to have. So it was like, shoot her down. And endorsements are lazy. I don't like Joe Namath and the reasons we discussed. And then women don't buy suitcases. Dr. Faye says right. they do. So. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then also, can we be funny, you know, actually funny or what you showed me? You know, that's over right, the top. Right. It's all yeah. over the, but it's, you know, it, it, it I'm glad this is an environment <laughs> where you feel free to right. fail. It's, there's your mentoring. There you go. Um, <laughs> I mean, listen, yeah, I think, I think, I think we've kind of said it. It's, it's, uh, it's perhaps a little yeah. on the nose, but it is taking us somewhere. At least, at least we we find out pretty quickly where it's going. 
I just one tiny little note as they leave the office or if she, as she leaves the office because the boys leave mm-hmm. first. The rug is kind of dirty. There's just schmutz on the rug. And that's just one of Who's those. Rug? Uh, this is uh, the, the rug and Do- the carpet of Don's is office. It an it's very subtle. And is, it's not wall to wall. No, no, it's car- it is. The point is, that's just one of those tiny little details that this show does, just like a fly in the light in the ceiling. Like it was just this subtle little. It's not pristine in here. They just did a presentation. They just left with their papers or their whatever. There might be little yep. paper remnants on the floor. It's just one of those details that only Mad Men has. Go Jennifer Getzinger. Well, that's interesting. Well, here, But here's why I asked about the rug in particular. Yeah. Is I've noticed in this season four, the new office, why the climate seems so different and the energy and the buzz is that there's no wall-to-wall carpeting in that office. It's hard floors, particularly in the hallways. Yes. I don't know. You're saying Don's office has wall-to-wall. I might not have noticed. But I've noticed no carpeting, right? Sterling Cooper was carpet. We're close, we're close for the weekend. The carpets are being cleaned. Um, but it was. It was a softer, the 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 volume was kind of muted based on all that fabric. Right. And at the end, when Anna, when we hear Anna's, what turns out to be Anna's footsteps, we hear footsteps. Yeah, exactly. It's And we hear the footsteps all the time, Joan or, or Peggy or whomever, that um, this environment is loud and it echoes and people hear things and it's not private. <laughs> You're in a white studio, like in some limbo. There's two no-name football players holding an American tourster and a Skyway going against Mr. Joe Namath and his defender, a sexy girl holding a Samsonite. Peggy goes back to her office and there are flowers. <laughs> Whoever from. And they are lovely flowers. And boy, do we not see it coming that she has kind of a lovely friend relationship with Duck. She's happy to hear from him. And, you know, that we, we never knew. We never knew how that ended or, or where it was mm. left. And how it was left was fine, apparently. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, he's still interested. But but we get we get the impression that what he does tonight is not a thing he does all the time or she wouldn't be tolerating right. it. Right, right. Um, so that was kind of nice. And then... <laughs> it was briefly nice. He yeah. makes her... He makes her this... Offer, well, <laughs> but then um, its desperation masters something else. Listen, this episode has a few running themes, and I, by themes, I don't mean global themes like relationships and this, but like alcoholism, yeah. <laughs> um, alcoholism, bodily functions. I mean, the guys—the first thing they say when they come into her office, at one of the scenes is, "Is oh, you yeah. fart," you know, and there's there's farting, there's. There's lots of body functions and there's puking. There's lots happening in this episode. Roberta. A lot of scatology. And then some other body mm-hmm. part private things that a lot going on here. And animals. You know, there's <laughs> mice and <laughs> dogs Elephants, in the right. <laughs> But yeah. He's he he has those cards made up. And it's still the morning we, we gather and Duck's been Duck's been Bending the elbow a little bit already, um, and yeah, it's it's we determine he's it's been pure fired. desperation. He gets in a nice little uh, industry joke, you know. Tampax, they're way up there. That, that's another one. Oh my god, I never <laughs> even caught that. Ew! I seem to remember though. Fifty. They said fifty percent of the market share, and I remember my sister Deborah telling me, and I don't remember exactly what it was. Did she? She either had a friend who worked there or had a friend who had invested. In temp- it was one or the other, and I don't remember. But it was like she said this to me years ago, 15, 20 years ago. Like Tampax was like a that's a that's an interest that's a business not going anywhere. Like that is fifty percent of the market share sounds just right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I I'm not in the demo, but um. Anyway, a nice Neither little nice I. little line. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> there's no shame. But uh, 
<laughs> the uh, but yeah, so so it's obviously a, a desperate. We we learn through the layers and Peggy's questioning just how desperate Duck is. Uh, this is not just hastily done, but but done completely out of out of panic to some degree. I mean, he's he's grasping at straws professionally and personally. But also, she takes it as I mean, she she eventually figures out what it is. Took takes her five seconds, but she's yeah, she genuinely considers it coming from him. Jesus, creative director, right? And you know, he's not wrong. She's you know, listen, she's green. She'd be a green creative director. But so what? Who isn't? Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. I mean, there's no there's right. nobody in any job that gets it right all the time. So it, it's it's so that's in her head. Yeah. Yeah. That's in her head. But what we see obviously is is a flailing, a flailing Duck Phillips. There's something he says. This is when I was like, I have to go back and take good notes. Picture Don Draper saying this much later in the episode. Just pretend Don says it. Unfiltered. Peg, I'm falling apart. Don't you know you're the last thing that made me feel good about myself? Mm. Peg, I'm falling apart. I mean, that's basically what happened. That's basically how it ends. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm thinking about that last, the last one. Well, you're not the last thing, but you are. Jesus, you are now. You are now mm. the last one that makes me feel good about myself. I just, that jumped yeah. out at me as yeah. like, oh, that's Don. That's interesting. Right? That's, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that is very interesting. What I what I thought about with really the whole conversation and frankly when we'll get to Duck's visit to, to the office, but um, you know, he has these little terms of affection for her. He calls her Pee-wee, I think, you yeah. know. And what what the what was so great about this writing is look, this is a this was a real relationship. This was a real affection yeah. between these two. And it it was a very three-dimensional relationship between these two and whatever it is now and what's happened to Duck and the age difference and everything else. Uh, Peggy and he, there's these little signs of just how how real it was, and I thought that's in a way sweet, even though it's not a sweet moment in there in this epilogue. But um, no, I thought it was it was just really great writing. Again, Mad Men is so economical, right? Mm-hmm. We we yeah. never we never needed to know what that relationship was like at the time. It was fine that we didn't. It, we were curious, but we weren't that curious. But we now just did learn so much about it. To everything that's you just right. said. Any any other show, the ex boyfriend would have come back to do something nasty and inappropriate in the office, and it would have been played for the shock value of what it was. Although in Mad Men, you get that plus details and context and texture that is so beyond. So that, that's, that's worth worth acknowledging, right? So the guys come in, they kind of cut Peggy and Duck's call short, which I think Peggy is grateful for. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> Peggy was like, in case you didn't notice, he hated it, and you know they had noticed. And Stan said, I was hating it too when we were doing it, but not before. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. And I just thought that was an interesting, like. It means they went in with best intentions. They weren't, they weren't phoning it in is what I think that is meant to convey. And then he could feel it too. And then by the way, there's, um, he says, I'm not going to lie. And Duck had said it earlier, but I can't remember why. There's two mentions of I'm not going to lie, you know, on a, on a night when Peggy ends up getting very truthful. Uh, That would be better if I remember the other quote. Anyway. One other thing I'll point out here about Duck and Peggy's conversation is uh, he does say when he's talking about why he's forming this firm, he'll say, I, I was inspired by what That's right. Don did. That was it. I'm not going to lie. That was I'm the not line. Gonna lie. I was Dude, that was the line. Thank you. Very good. There you go. I, that was I had, exactly I had it. only that portion of the yeah, note. But, yeah, um, that's right. But what that tells us is you know, going back to the whole Duck and Don conflict Never from ends. season two was <laughs> – Never fucking ends. But it was all about 
you know, are we about buying media to get it cheaper for our clients versus the creative end, which, as we've talked about here, was not the focus of the industry or where clients were picking their their agencies for. They were picking them for efficiency. Was was that that idea of of what what role does creative play? And now Duck is more or less seeding that ground to say right. inspired by what Don does. You could you could build an agency on that, and the right creative director, Peggy, can can make us a winner. And Again, desperation all over the place, but a, an honest nugget of truth in the middle of all that. A women's agency headed by Peggy makes, is a brilliant makes idea. Makes all the sense in brilliant the world. Idea. Yeah. There's probably some right. precedent for it at the time. I don't know the answer to that. And how committed Duck was to that actual idea, I think, also remains to be seen, but it was a good, well, good part of the pitch. Duck is still the, <laughs> is still the guy. <laughs> right. But of course, all the, you know, all, the, all the owners of all the companies are also men, you know, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That, for sure. that queer at Belle Jolie. <laughs> I love that. So good. Barking up my tree. Yeah. Anyway, the guys go to lunch. They're like, yep, still got to eat. And then we see Don come back to his office. While you were in the toilet. (laughs) And that's when he gets the note that Stephanie has called. And, And he knows what that means. I don't think we forget it, but I will say as just a, you know, as a viewer kind of, um, you know, in the zone with the episode, there are moments when I would forget. And then I would have to remind myself, no, that was the domino. You know, but again, and I, I, maybe this is, maybe this is the reason he was cartoonishly shitty is to make sure that we don't think that he becomes cartoonishly shitty after getting that note, you know, that mm-hmm. note affects him internally and it affects him in all kinds of ways. And the first thing it does is it keeps him from going to the, he's not going out tonight. Right. right. But other than, but maybe that was the reason is so that there's not such a sharp contrast there to see that he has just been like this, however it is, and that we don't falsely put in that interpretation. We, we don't tie it too directly. Right. I mean, he's already, he knows that she's sick. She's got cancer. She's going to die. So that's probably this longer form cause of his bad, all around bad behavior, the drinking, the, the behavior. No, he was drunk before. Else. He was drunk before California. He was drunk before California. He was a drunk before I California. I get it, but I think it. I think California ramps it up. That's all. I don't. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Maybe not, but I think so. But I love how uh, they come back from lunch. Peggy's wearing this birthday crown, right? <laughs> Adorable birthday crown that she keeps on that she wears throughout. They're the- in the create. Well, she takes no. She takes it off at one point. But yeah, she's she's sitting there with her birthday crown it's that they really probably great. sat there because she didn't go to lunch with them. So they probably either they brought it for her or they're sitting there. With, oh, maybe because they're, they're yeah. in the creative room. There are, are there are craft. There's paper and scissors. They made her a she's crown. They it. made her a fucking because crown. <laughs> it's really great. I also love that Danny is now like fully part of the team. He's got his feet up. He's drinking a beer. He's shooting the shit like he's well. Danny he's was fully always integrated. Danny was gonna put his feet up and drink a beer on day one. That that may that may be, but it's it's he's a full fledged member, Agreed. which is great. But there was that wonderful James Bond thing, right? Um, mm. The pen in the, the, pen neck, in the neck, which which gets. I mean, Peggy is just she now knows you take anything you fucking hear and yeah. you try to campaign it out and see what comes up. And it didn't go any well. Danny killed it <laughs> with the like he fell in love underwater, whatever that was. Um, and she was just like, "I'm done." But it was that was one of those that was those little those little creative Peggy yeah. moments. Uh, 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 what do they call it? A tributary, little little offshoot. In the meantime, before they as they're leaving, Joan is like, "I'm not your maid, and I don't want to look at." The, she didn't even say, "I'm not your maid." It was just an "I'm not your maid" moment. Well, Joey says, "I'm not the janitor," and of course, he's a freelancer. But it's like cleaning up after yourself is janitorial, like you privileged little shits. 
it's a shitty thing to say. And it's also that would not have gone that way in season one or two, right? There would have been a a lot more respect for Joan. B um just her 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 position was sort of un what's the word I'm thinking of? Unassailable. And now it's rather assailable. And her position is higher. So that's a sign of the times and of the attitudes, mm-hmm. not a sign of Joan. It's everything. Yeah. I, I, I don't think she's taken a step down uh, personally, except that the world looks at her differently now. Through, certainly Joey, is that's what he's representing, you know. So we've also had um, the scene with Roger and Don where Roger comes in. And this is, again, where alcoholism. Wow. What a theme. I mean, <laughs> all Roger is focused on is... You know, this night that he's been looking forward to for a while, how drunk he is. Give me another one right now. I mean, he's like, drink, 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 drink. Just get it in me as fast as possible. Now I'm stuck having dinner with those two Alcoholics Anonymous guys. <laughs> right. Freddie and Cal Rutledge. I mean, it was- Cal who just fell off the wagon two Right. Weeks so he's ago. newly sober. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so it's, again, it's just, we see Roger and Don drink a lot, but we don't always see Roger this thirsty. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's, he's thirsty. Yeah. This is like his New Year's Eve, too. This is like... Oh, it's uh, the fight night yeah, exactly. and every, all the I mean. rest. But Don, you know, Don, Don's staying in. Don is, no, I got to work. I got to work. And it's, that's to me, the that's where you really see, he's like, I am not partying. I am not that's partying. That's the result of the that's news. That's the yeah. news. That's yeah, right. The news sure. that he won't, that he won't, you know, he tries to call and he doesn't. Yeah. He tries. He thinks about calling and doesn't. Make a reservation any place but the Palm to avoid. Right. <laughs> avoid he was ready. Guys. He was doing that. He was. That was he right was. before then, the note. I like what he says. I won't be good company. And Roger says, uh, that's never stopped you before. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. So good. So good. It's a line, a line made for John Slattery is what that is. Yeah. Of course, my days are spent sleeping and visiting the ladies' room. Although it's an incredible feeling having this baby kick me. Is it any different than living with Pete? <laughs> the ladies' room was an incredible little sequence. You've got Peggy and Megan. Now we know what Peggy's plans are for the night, which is Mark is taking her for a romantic dinner. At the Forum of the Twelve Caesars. At the Forum of the Twelve Caesars. <laughs> now this is another one. I was like, Dan's going to know this one. I just thought, well, the- I just thought the name was so funny compared to the Greek diner they end up in. It's beyond right, uh, and again, you can. I'll we'll link to something here. It's like this crazy. It's almost like a, a theme restaurant for that age before there were theme restaurants. Cartoonishly over the top ty- type of place, and you can hear uh, I forget his name, the the brother in law. You know, reading from the menu of how big the oysters or cl- oysters are, or something like that. Just uh, just how how cartoonish the the whole place was. Anyway, I'd never heard of it. It sounds like. A friggin' crazy ass place, but probably a precursor to uh, Planet Hollywood or ESPN Zone or some shit like that. And Peggy thinks it's going to be a candlelit dinner somewhere, just the two of them. Oh no, she knows they're going there. She didn't know her family was coming. Right, that right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had it was a romant. It was going to be a romantic dinner for two at that location. So we're so we're <laughs> yeah. So that's what she tells Megan, and you know, and Maggie and Megan and. Megan is is lovely, right? Megan is uh, sure. Oh my God, she had gloves on. They were so pretty. She really, she just, um, I didn't catch the gloves until she sticks her head back in to say, Don's looking for you. But Megan, you know, it's like, you know, happy birthday. And, and that's gets, gets this and then says, how old are you? She says, 26. She says, well, you're doing all right. And then yeah. Trudy comes in. Trudy comes in like a- Shit's all over that vibe. A sky blue cloud of trudiness. 
Uh. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she was until the last line. She, the she last was lovely. Line. She was just <laughs> like, I agree. Uh, is, did I hear it's your birthday and happy birthday? And I always knew you were witty. Right. Right. But I always knew you were a witty line. It sounded so much like the way Pete speaks. Right. Like it really, oh, yeah. it really had that weird formality that was, you know, but it's true. Like it was just so odd. But look, a- any exchange between Peggy and Trudy. Well, it's the is, first one, practically. They've met, they've met they've a couple met, times. But this was the first. Yeah, I would say it's the first one half, on one. you know, mini conversation. But um, but anytime they're either in the same circle or discussion or whatever, there's this tension of what's going to happen. Even when I remember even um, shut the door when she walks into the hotel room. Right? There's the tension. Whatever it is, there's tension. Oh, of course there's tension. Peggy's like, I had your husband's baby and gave it That's away. Right. I mean, that, that tension is <laughs> I'm I'm there for it. So so it's there in the in the ladies' room too. But the last thing she says, again, in contrast Ugh. to what to what Megan said, you know, Megan boosts her up with, Well, you're doing all right. And Megan really means it. I mean, she tiny, does. tiny spoiler, we find out that Megan has some some professional aspirations, you mm-hmm. know, beyond secretary. So she really means it. She really does respect Peggy. Well, I think they both mean it. <laughs> well, absolutely. And then Trudy says, you know, 26 is still very young. <laughs> it's still very young. That's right. You have time. You have time. You're not <laughs> to, to, fully washed up. I mean, You have time to have my husband's baby. To have, still have anyone's. Anyone's you want. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Just, but, but listen, what... What stands out to me, I mean, within our little Mad Men world, those are the things that that we notice. But at the same time, that is 100% what someone like Trudy would say to someone Absolutely. like Peggy. Absolutely. It's completely within within the real world that that, that that sentiment is not just thought, but fully expressed without a thought. Because after all, that's what Peggy must be wanting. Let me just say it again. My mother is the exact same age as Peggy. I, her third child, was born... <laughs> Mm. A month earlier, you know, that was more typical. That was more expected. And my mom was, my mom is one of these people who graduated high school or she was a little, she graduated high school at like 16 or 17, something like was in college at 17. My mom, you know, was, was smart and seeking an education not to get a man, but Mm. you know, she went the direction she went in. No, that was certainly the prevailing sentiment all along. And Trudy loves blood sports. I was literally just going to say that. I couldn't, we couldn't leave that bathroom without saying. (laughs) Great. We go to all the bathrooms today. Anyway, Don summons Peggy. The guys immediately know that is to be avoided. They're like, get (laughs) the fuck out of here. here. And in uh, response to what I asserted in our last episode, or a couple episodes ago, whenever it was, Don says, no, Joan knew exactly what I needed and made sure that I got it in reference to the incompetence and inappropriateness of Mrs. Blankenship. Yeah. But that puts us now with the two of these knuckleheads in the office alone uh, late at night, you know, or, or at least po- pa- past- At least starting. Past office Starting hours. on the journey. So let's- This seems like a good time for a break, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. When we come back- We got a lot of fights to talk about. That's right. Peggy leaves her coat on. (laughs) Don's like, I want to see what you've got. Peggy goes to her office to get the work, starts to take her coat off, and is like, nope. (laughs) Right. Not this time. No, buddy. Not today, Satan. (laughs) So, and boy, that costume with that pillbox hat and the green. I mean, it's just, again, I I especially notice because it is like a play. And and that costume, what Peggy is wearing, you know, 
has layers and can be on and off and because we're watching it in across many many hours and many iterations many iterations it's a thing i noticed in the breakfast club too they got to make those outfits work all day anyway carry on. <laughs> but she dressed that morning for the dinner at night she wasn't going right. to go back home she was staying in the city uh yeah so she recognizes that this is a trap that is targeted for her <laughs> in particular uh, she goes in, she realizes obviously that it's not going to be two minutes and calls Mark the first time. <laughs> okay. It's going to be 15 minutes. So she calls Mark. And this is where we start to see, again, this exposition comes out of that there's this history that Don calls her in is not new. This is a part of their relationship. This is an ongoing thing. Right, right. And But we get the, <laughs> we get the, <laughs> the news that, that Mark is completely without permission <laughs> brought brought Peggy's whole family to this dinner. I mean this was an incredible it was a, just I mean Getzinger again well done this was such a great reveal <sighs> it's like he hangs up and then there's this this pan and and, and there's the family and there's you know I was like she's very familiar oh shit but <laughs> like, it's but it's well first of all it's a very insightful thing to write into the because it's such a rookie move it, it is such a manipulative and rookie move and it is passive aggressive, right? It's the kind of thing that plays on the face of it as a great- well, You always c- said you never got a surprise. Right. <laughs> Celebration. Uh, masked as, you know, getting in good with the family, which is what Peggy calls him out on later. And she is right about that. And here's the other thing. I know a lot of people had to think this. I don't, I'm not, I didn't check with the old fan. I'm just, I just know how we think. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, is he going to propose? Oh my God, don't do it. Don't fucking do it. Because, you know, that is a thing you would invite a family to. Uh, Thank God. I mean, and that's where, again, that's where this all, when you said earlier, like, the boyfriend comes back and like, listen, they could have made this more farcical. Mar- uh, Mark could have shown up at the office too. Mm-hmm. You know, or there mm-hmm. could have been a ring or there could, it could have been more absurd. It was already pretty absurd. We'll get to Doc. But, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but we but, can't, you know. we can't not mention Myra Turley who steals every time we go back, steals the scene, mostly by not saying anything <laughs> until she does. <laughs> we can we can talk about that other scene now. It oh, was, God. I mean, let just, me talk to her. Let just me talk more to her. about why I love that character and how she's it's just, you know, she's, first of all, she's, she's humoring this young guy to begin with by going, right? Yeah. And no, I think she like she's nosy enough that she wants to be at this table. She wants to get Peggy married off. So yeah, also, I think th- yeah, in, in the larger sense, yes, she's happy to and not without her. Yeah, she's look, she's input being, and yeah, she's, she wants to she wants to be here. She's be, but she, and she's being wooed, right? She, she's the wooey by Mark in this whole scenario. Uh, so she does like that. I agree. But at the same time, you know, it's play acting. She like she knows this is a ridiculous place. She knows this whole thing is, you know, she hopes it goes well and and Peggy arrives and and it all goes to plan, right? I think that's that's the best case scenario, obviously. Uh, but she's she, when it's not, and now she's sitting there with Mark and the son-in-law and, and the roommate. It's just Jerry. It's Jerry. Jerry's the brother. Jerry, right? There you go. Um, she she her discomfort. The roommate. Uh- uh, a new roommate. New roommate. We've never seen her. And Love we'll that. Never see her again. That's again. That's a great. I just sorry. That's just such a great Mad Men thing of like. Well, apparently it didn't work out with Karen, the party girl. Remember, I, <laughs> I had right. said at some point I can see Peggy sort of almost being the the Carol, the roommate to to Karen's Joan. Mm. 
And no, she found her somebody. This was a, a, this was not a posy type of hot girl. This is just a regular person. Yeah. Like, you know, honest, you know, not making, not, she's not that, she's not that person. Right. She's a fill in, you could say. So that all happened at some point. <laughs> but the mom, Catherine Olson is, is now in a position to suffer fools, I think, uh, because she has to deal with this restaurant and deal with, the, the the whole scene and obviously Peggy not showing up. So her, she's on a low simmer the whole time, which is, <laughs> you could just feel but it's it. also, it's her favorite place to be on that low simmer. She loves that <laughs> Peggy is fucking this up and she gets to just be terrible about That's it. True. And she's, a, she is, the, she, Catherine Olson's favorite place to be is, is right. <laughs> that's right right and yeah. in the middle yeah and she's right in the and middle in the, it's right that's right that's true so uh yeah so, so yeah so as the the phone calls and the lateness progress and it's not going to work out she gets to take the wheel which she or the, in this case the phone that's right this is your mother speaking hello ma i just want you to know that we're all here me anita jerry the roommate and we're not leaving till you march in here i can't okay could you put mark on the phone He's crestfallen, you know? Mrs. Olson, it's okay. It's not okay. One of the other themes in this episode, and again, I I sort of touch on it with the with the pack of hyenas, is toxic masculinity and what male white male fragility mm. and Peggy's managing of it at every step. Everything she sucks up from those guys, every yeah. every horrible thing, every creepy, crass. Sexual fart, everything they say to her, she just she just has to take it with a grain of salt because otherwise you get attacked for not having a sense of humor. Yeah. And it'll go all the way through. So I just want to say it sort of encompass it right now. Every one of her ideas that Don decides he doesn't like, she's now not even defending anymore, mm. including the elephant idea, which isn't that the ad we all grew up on? I don't recall. It sounded great, and I'm pretty sure that was the ad. Interesting. I'm pretty sure it was the elephant stepping on the, the suitcase and nothing happens. And he steps on theirs and Oh, it gets I crushed. think you're right. I remember the, the yeah. foot, the big elephant foot. Yeah. Kinda, yeah, yeah. Yep. For sure. For sure. That's brilliant. That's true. Probably not a great experience for the elephant, actually, to film a commercial now that I'm... Anyway, <laughs> but the point is, over and over and over, and right through to the next morning when things are very different, right? But I just, again, I just want to present it right now. Every one of her ideas, he shuts down and she's just like, I'm done defending it. Mm -hmm. Fine, Don, you're right. Well, I mean, there was the one really obviously. And then he comes up with one and she doesn't, she kind of questions. Well, she's looking to get the hell out of there. Right. right, And she's very clearly. But even the next morning, you know, the final morning when when he presents the the idea and she questions it, the photograph that ties in with the fight, um, the champion or whatever, you know, whatever that photo is. And we'll get more into that. But she... She questions it. How does this work for TV? What's the story? But then he's like, I think it's good. She's like, nope, I think it's good too. And it it was okay. Yeah. You know? And so I really saw her all the way through at every stage of the relationship from this one pre-fight to that one hand-holding. She is still just like, I'm not going to fight him anymore. Fine, Don. Don has the good idea. No, that's a a really good point. And I I think it's also a contrast to so much that, and we talk about it here a lot, about how um, how much the show respects the creative process and loves diving into it and getting really swimming around in it and you know all these processes and 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 unexpected ways you get creative ideas and um, you know the Western Union thing right we 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 really dive dive into that which is is great and it's worthy of the show. What I found here is that 
in this episode, it's less about that idea. It's less about where they end up and Don's idea, which you're right, is not is not like awe-inspiring necessarily. It might be topical and opportunistic in a good way. But um, yeah, it doesn't make you like – doesn't blow your hair back. What it is though in this episode, in contrast to those others, is it's about the relationship between the people undergoing the process and going through the process. It's about this purely – it's a relationship study. Right. More so than it's a creative idea study. So, so they're using they're using the creative process that we've seen and explored and and swum around in to now explore the two people involved and how that affects the process. Which what a great twist and beautifully done. That that that's the, the thing. And that it, but that is one you know that a, that is a troubling aspect of the relationship that doesn't change to me. Troubling to me. Troubling that what they shit on each other's ideas, or that she's not she's not re, her, her ideas are not um, regarded well enough, and that she sucks up to his ideas, whatever she thinks of them, even even after this, even even after the rebirth of their relationship. Right, right, right. Yeah, it, it, you're right because because the next day when she's not challenging but kind of giving him a little bit of what he gave her, how are we going to shoot it? Is it is is it what's the idea? What's the story? Right. And she's not doing it as I don't think she's doing it as a dig. I think no, she's no, genuinely no. looking at this thing and going, "It's not that great." It's how he taught her, <laughs> clearly, right? Yeah. Um, you're, you're right about that. But my point is, uh, a small nitpick, if you want to call it that. But where he says, "Why are you shitting on this?" It's a bit of a short circuit, right? It's a bit of a shortcut to get us to where they're reconciled, because because that's really not the answer. <laughs> when she says, "Why are you shitting on this?" He's the boss, and he gets to tell her what to do. When she has valid concerns, and just again, she's not coming at him. Uh, he gets to say, "Why are you shitting on this?" And it's game over. So it's a little bit of a, it's a little unparalleled there. Right. It's definitely of, unparalleled. Yeah, and, and and he's very drunk, and I don't think he's usually this drunk. I know he's been drunk, mm-hmm. and I know he's been again. We've said it, a drunk. And he was shitting on her before he was really drunk. That's right. All morning. Although it was eleven in the morning, and we think he was drinking, but, but still, yeah. But part of it is she knows how to navigate. A drunk, white, dominating men. But if we're just looking at how we get to the creative end point, to the solution, I found that to be a touch of a cop-out to say, why are you shitting on this? And that gets to end the conversation. Because it's like, it's just as valid when she said it, like, like it's not a real resolution. I think it goes exactly with what I'm saying, which is, it isn't an equal thing. Yeah. This is about male domination. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and he is her boss, but but to your point- why are you shitting on this? That's not what happened. Because right. why are you shitting on this indicates that all you're doing is shitting on it and not actually giving it appropriate critique, and which is not what she's doing. He that's that's a that's Don being dominating. Right. I don't think that's a script shortcut as much, although it gets us to where we need to go next. But I think it's I think Don is totally dominating the Yeah, it's more bullying. The creative conversation. It's just bullying. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it I think it works. I bought it. I totally bought it's it. It's consistent. Why are you, it's because re- it's so ridiculous. He shit on everything she said before. She, I mean, he even says later. Wait, maybe we should look at that elephant again. Yeah. Like he just was shitting on everything, no matter what, from the morning on, and then saying you're not working. You didn't do any work. And what do you think elves do? The, everything as though work wasn't put into it without actually hearing her out on any of these ideas. You would expect the. Um Antagonist or protagonist? Antagonist that Don is. Well, they're both both in this, <laughs> For sure. in this episode, sure. right? 
Um, but whereas he's been the antagonist in terms of the creative process, there's no arc. He hasn't changed. <laughs> he's no, not in a he's... different place. I mean, he can say right. he can say keep the door open, and it gives this nice open vibe and the acoustic music of Simon and Garfunkel. But it's not. Don, there's no. There's nothing to show from a process standpoint, anyway, that Don's any more open or changed than he was at the beginning of the episode. About the creative. About, about the, creative. the relationship, though, that is different, and we'll get there. Yeah, it's a fine line, but you're right. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> but. So there's this back and forth of Don wants her, she's going to leave, she's going to stay, calls with Mark, which ultimately ends with they break up. And she's mm. like, I can't fucking believe this is happening to me. <laughs> Fine. Okay. And, you know, what? one of the things that's so interesting about Peggy in this episode is she goes back and forth between it's not my fault. Like it's like it's right. Don's fault. Right. And right. God, all I care about is work. It is all I care about. And she says as much. Yeah. yeah. And she literally says it. That is her own. I mean, that last time that she goes back into Don's office, she could have left. Mm-hmm. She is somewhat drawn to Don, which which we don't really see until later. We don't really see that as a part of it because her animosity is, is so heightened at this point. But it's she also really does just she loves she wants to get it done she loves getting it done yeah. she loves getting it done even in these circumstances so there's that meanwhile don don's meandering don is so drunk don is you like cassius clay and i love that little bit with he's like i don't get it and she's like you're not supposed to i remember my mother liking <laughs> nat king right. cole in a way that had my father throw out yeah. all his records if you want a right? comparison and is, yeah. yeah and that's I mean, I remember my mother always talking about Harry Belafonte, like, right? like yeah. in a way, in a tone of voice <laughs> yeah, that right. I didn't normally hear. Right. Like, oh. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and she's and, not wrong. And yeah, and Ali had really just changed his name. The controversy around his whole career was really just getting started. Yeah, but it it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna get going until he fought Liston a second time because everyone thought the first time was a fluke. Peggy's Peggy's trying to at first. Get it over with and get out of there. She's telling Don the idea that's mediocre is the one, <laughs> so she can yeah. pack up and leave. He's just—I mean, he's just been awful. To, and I know, I know, I keep saying it, but like, it gets worse. Like every single time, he's just worse and worse to her. Right? So she's like, "Fine, Don, good, that's good. Right. I got, I got food." And now, then they, and then they break up. <laughs> so yeah. So after the breakup, you know, she comes back to Don's office and she's. She's both ready to work and loaded for bear. <laughs> yes. She is. I am here and I'm done. That's I'm, right. And I'm blaming you. And it's yeah. it's completely your fault. I can't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, but she did. She kind of crossed a line with that in terms of, in, in you know, we talk a lot about addiction here, right? So, uh, and the show is certainly about addiction. Uh, but, you know, one of the, one of the definitions I've heard uh, is when you continue to do something despite the, the, the um, obvious risks involved. So when you continue a behavior that has a, a consequence and you do it regardless of the consequence over and over, that's a way to know you're addicted. She's addicted to work. The consequences are her personal relationships and her boyfriend and her family and all these other things in life. But she knows that she cannot not finish this assignment and 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 the, the, the consequences be damned. And she's addicted to this dynamic with Don. Yeah. I think that's what we see tonight. The, you mean the, the abuse? The, the cycle of it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All of it. Mm-hmm. The, the, the abuse, the praise, the whatever it is, she keeps going back into that office. I'm sorry. Do you have someplace to be? 
Maybe tap your foot so I get the message. I was supposed to be at dinner an hour ago. It's my birthday. And I'm pretty sure I ruined everything. Why the hell didn't you tell me? I don't know, because I thought this would take a second. So now I'm supposed to feel like crap. Oh, I'm so sick that I ruined her birthday. Do you know when my birthday is? I was your secretary. Well, enjoy your evening. By the way, you are 20-something years old. It's time to get over birthdays. But I, but I never got the sense that she was addicted to the abuse. You said that. I, I said the whole cycle of it. Oh, okay. But, but I see, I think she's addicted to the reward, to the praise, to the process of how it feels, to nail it, you know, that she's addicted to. Yes, I think, at least I think from this episode, it's the, she wants the, she wants the approval from Don. Mm-hmm. It, this is about, this is about all of it. This is, you're not wrong. This is about the work and Don. This is about the work and done. I agree. And it's and I'm making a circle with my finger. That's why I said it <laughs> twice. It's it's they are intertwined and we see that here. And it's weird. I I, I agree totally. I, I think the only distinction I'm making is I don't think I specifically think she is not addicted to the abuse. She gets abused and she knows it's wrong and she knows it needs to stop. But I don't think she's but I don't think she's I don't think that's part of the addiction. I think the things I think the things she is addicted to, the the good parts are stronger than her aversion to the bad parts. Okay, so two things. One, you know, addiction is a limited term with plenty of uh, interpretations and applications. And it's not a perfect, it isn't a perfect metaphor to this, but I disagree. Okay. I think that's, I think it goes back to your definition. He was awful to her and she took off her coat and walked back in knowing she was going to get more. I I mean, he is shit-faced at this point and he's worse than we've ever seen him in terms of how he's shitting on her. And she's still there. You're right. And she's still there. The evidence does not disprove what I'm uh, – what I'm saying is not proven entirely by the evidence because she's still there. (laughs) So I I agree. It could be a tough, tough line to draw for sure. Um, Anyway, she's she's back. She's back for more. And now she's – She's in a way reinforced by not having to get out of there. So now we get to this fight. This escalates into this whole thing, and it she she pours herself a drink. Yep. She insists they work, but she picks the fight. She picks the fight. She definitely and picks the fight. It's about glow coat. It's about ambition. It's about the Cleos, not the Chloes. It's about getting credit. <laughs> That's right. And it starts because, right, because she blames that she's like, this is all your fault because if you hadn't had to hire Danny, you know, and then he is like, there is no Danny's idea. That's right. And he doesn't say, and there is no Peggy's idea, but she, she hears it loud and clear and that's, yeah. yeah, And that's how she gets at the glow coat thing. That's right. And, and, and what we're seeing is this is kind of the two of them at their worst. They know things about each other. There's such a history. Don being drunk and hurtful and Peggy I'll say petty Peggy's being petty but not not in a an unreasonable way or she's not being petty in a sense of like we don't know where it's coming from I I do think it's petty to be obsessed with credit when the moment's passed and as professionals we all have to move past things we don't like and she's bringing it up again so right. I'll call that petty maybe there's a better word for it but I'm using petty on the other hand though I want to just say <laughs> He keeps saying it was a, what, a remnant, a, a, a tidbit, a kernel. I'm sorry. <laughs> it sounds like a little more than a kernel. It's right. way more than a kernel. Right. He he buffed it up. He he finished the concept, but it was her fucking concept. So which we didn't know till now. Which we didn't know till yeah. now. 
she's within her rights to have those feelings. She's, yeah, it's like it, it it it's complicated. I mean, she you're right. Petty Petty's not the right word. I'm not going to bother finding what the right word is. Fine. But it's adjacent we, to Petty. We get it. Yeah. She's she's not getting over it. She's not moving on. Right. She never did get that thank you. Yep. And we can see he's stingy with that thank you because he, in his mind, he does take credit for it. Oh, yeah. So the you know, it's that thing of like you know, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't coming after you. Like, she's right. Yeah. He doesn't see it as her idea, and it was her idea. And if there was a thank you, it would be buried underneath all the shit he's been throwing at her. So it's 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 on top. It's insult to injury with all this stuff. That's right. Um, and she gets vengeful, right? Uh, yeah, it's not my fault you have nowhere to go. No family to go. <laughs> she is just yeah, that unloading. Was a, that, was a, that was a shit. That was a dick move, <laughs> Peggy. And she tells him that she broke up with Mark and that, you know, and he's doesn't really know what to do with that, tries to say something vaguely appropriate, but not really. Although then he puts everything else on that. He puts everything at, well, sorry you broke up with your boyfriend, as opposed to sorry I've been yelling at you for all night, all day, all all career. So there, there was that. It was a little like, oh, you must have your period. Like you just broke up with your boyfriend. Like it was definitely a little yeah, pat on the head. There. Absolutely. Everything that comes in here belongs to the agency. You mean you? As long as you still work here. Is that a threat? Because I've already taken somebody up on one of those tonight. So this fight escalates. She says, you never thank me. He says, you know, maybe one of the top, easily the top 10 <laughs> quotable Mad Men lines. That's what the money is for. And it's great. Well, it wraps, it wraps up just about everything about, about Don and Mad Men and the show. Yeah, everything. All in one, right? Prostitution, mothers. That's all right. Of it. <laughs> now- after that's what the money is for, and before you should be thanking Jesus, which is another boy, Don pulls him out here. Yeah, Don with his crazy upbringing that does pop out every now and then. <laughs> he says, honestly, it is ridiculous to be two years into your career and counting your ideas. Peggy is not two years into her career. The last, the first time. The last time Peggy substantially asks for a raise, or the first time, or the whatever time, was in June of 1963. Mm -hmm. And I actually went back, because I could swear he's actually said that two years ago, that two years into your career line before, and I couldn't find it. And maybe it's in Shut the Door, but I didn't, I didn't review for that. But I went, I was like, when did she first ask, when did she first ask for the raise? And he shut her down. And that was way back in the fog. Mm -hmm. um, so it's June of 1963. And she's... Two years into her career then. <laughs> so this is, you know, Don, a little bit- Fuzzy on the timing. Fuzzy on the timing, but also a little frozen in amber mm. about that. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. she'll always be two years into her career. Yeah, she'll always be two <laughs> years in. And and meantime, she's getting offered, you know, not, not a serious offer, but somebody is thinking of her as a creative director. And again, I'm going to say it, she's not wrong. Mm -hmm. She is critiquing Don as well as Don critiques her. That's right. That I wanted to underline. Right. And, and, you know, in a fight, just like in a, the way married people fight, you know, you, you find things that are going to be shorthand for getting right to the root of something. And when you know someone really well, <laughs> like Peggy and Don do, you know, you know precisely what that is, buttons to push, right? So Don says to Peggy, go, go run to him like in the movies, which is, doesn't like stand out as like some, huge hammer, right, for right. Don. But between these two, it, it, it almost immediately, I remember thinking this the first time I saw it, and it always rings out. Don's, Don's speech to Peggy in The Grown Ups when he's trying to get her back to come to the agency. He says, 
there are people out there who buy things and something happened, something terrible, and the way they saw themselves is gone. And nobody understands that, but you do, and that's very valuable. Well, first of all, when Don says nobody understands that, but you do, he kind of means, but we do, <laughs> right? If I'm, if I'm, if I'm identifying right, it in you, right. it's because I'm one of those people. That's but right. he's saying, you're, you're like me. You're, you're that person who, who the, the masses might be going one way. You're able to stand apart and recognize it. And, and that's very valuable. And that's what he says to her in order to get her to come with him. When they're fighting, he's using that in reverse. He's, he's, He's using it as a needle to say, go, go run to him like a sap, like a sap who watches movies and cries, like someone who, who, you know, it was written by me, someone like me to sell nylons, right? Like that's Don's point of view on everything is it's, is what we do is manipulative, but it's also romantic, but it's also, you know, it's this special skill and we stand apart. So go run to him like in the movies is go, is like saying, go, go be one of the masses. Go back to just being another anonymous person who gets sold shit and buys stuff and consumes and you're just faceless to me. So that when, when he says that, that's, that's, that's what it always felt like. And that that's a very intentional thing to say, even though it doesn't stand out like, you know, that's what the money is for and he's not yelling it at her. Um, but that line to me is like just it's it's the finest needle to slide into her that is going to hurt the most. It's like saying, you know, you're really not that special. Go go be go be that person that that cries at movies. And wow, that's that's what does it right. So that was it. She runs out. She cries. I don't think she was going to ever go run after Mark. No, but, no, that's, but, not, that's not the point. Right. But but Don deeming her ordinary mm-hmm. and having interests that are mundane and bougie. not special. Bougie. And bougie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Call, <laughs> and basic. He basically calls her bougie. Go run <laughs> to him. He's calling her bougie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Don, uh, Peggy goes and cries. Now we've got the two of them separate in their offices. Don is <laughs> very, very drunk and using his tape recorder. And dictaphone. Peggy. Hello. Right. Ed. <laughs> I love that. The, was it a dictaphone at that yeah, point? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it just looked. I think that's exactly what it was with the little, that yeah, funny looking was. microphone. Right, right, right. Yeah. But no, there has to be like a, a reconciliation, right? And that starts when Don calls Peggy in and they bond, you could say, over, <laughs> over Sterling's gold. <laughs> and they, Wow. The uh, the random ramblings of of Roger Sterling. 